Hey everyone, welcome to the Passion and Purpose podcast hosted by myself, Louis Giglio. I'm so pumped for you to listen to this conversation I recently had with the absolute legend, wave photographer, Ray Collins. Coming to you from down under in this episode, we talk about how he stumbled upon being a photographer, what inspires him, and what it's like capturing the beauty and brilliance of God through a lens. It's such a privilege to have him on the Passion and Purpose podcast because he embodies those two words as well as anybody I know. So here's my conversation with my good friend, Ray Collins. I can't tell you how excited I am today to have our guest on the Passion and Purpose podcast. I'm not kidding you. I am like on a scale of one to 10, I'm on about a 54 right now because the person that we're inviting on to the podcast today is someone who honestly has made as big an impact on my life in the last uh, five to 10 years as anybody on planet earth. And the story's crazy. I'm going to tell a little bit of the story somewhere along the way today, but uh, welcome to the current winner of the equivalent of the Geographical Oscar from the Russian Geographical Society, Ray Collins, ocean photographer from Down Under, as they say. Ray, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. It's my honor and it's my absolute pleasure to be your guest, Louis. I think this is our first intercontinental um, podcast, actually. So that's cool. You are on the other side of the earth right now, starting your day, day ahead of us right I here am. where I am. But if people don't know, Ray Collins is a genius at being able to see the beauty that God has created and what is the largest surface on earth, the ocean. And I don't know how in the goodness of God, Ray, I found you, but somehow on Instagram, I stumbled onto at Ray Collins photo. And I'm telling you guys, if you if you know what's up, go immediately after you listen to this podcast and follow at Ray Collins photo. And I just saw images, beauty, inspiration that lit my spirit up. It wasn't just like, wow, that's cool. It was doing something to me spiritually that was blowing my mind. And I'm going to tell this story real fast, Ray, and then I want you to talk a lot. Um, but I went to Sydney, Australia to a conference. Um, there are four or 5,000 people there, and I was doing this message, and I was showing God's greatness, His awe. I showed a picture of the Northern Lights, and I showed a picture that I had found on your Instagram feed. It is in this book called Water and Light, and it is this picture right here. And I'm showing uh, this to those of you who are watching this on my YouTube channel and not just listening to the audio podcast. The photo is called Convergence. And the caption that you say about it, um, I need my glasses to read it. But you say in the caption about this photo, this image has been really popular online. So I felt pretty much pedestrian at that point. I was like, okay, that's me. I'm one of those people. Uh, one of the nice things about sharing my work on the internet is that it's connected me with people far and wide, many of whom have become great friends. And at that point, I went, wow, I don't know if I'm a great friend, but this photo 
it did something to me. I put it in this talk. I'm talking about God's greatness. Ultimately, I'm talking about the Creator. I get to the end of my message. I go back to my seat over here in this arena, and the session ends, and this girl comes up to me, and she says, hi, I'm so-and-so, and um, that was really cool that you used my brother's photo in your message. And I'm what? what? Like, hello? And she says, yeah, Ray Collins is my brother. And I just was like crazy. And I can't tell the rest of this story, but several other things happened over the next year that you and I ended up at church together. On a Sunday afternoon, you came in late with Amber and your wife. And as you walked in, I didn't know who you were, but you ended up sitting in the seat two, two down from me. And I was like, I figured out, oh, that's Ray. I knew he was coming to the gathering. That's him. And I looked up on the wall behind the stage. And as the last song was being played, the package behind it was this unbelievable wave unfolding on the stage. And I thought, how is it possible? Because I don't think you'd been in church in a minute. But no. Ray just walked in. There's this unbelievable wave <laughs> unfolding on this giant LED screen. And I'm like, it just was, it was telling me again, God, Louis, remember God is in the details. And we met that night, and which was a big highlight to me. We had dinner and I said, Ray, did you notice when you walked in, there was this huge wave on the wall? And you said, oh, yeah, that's the such and such and such wave off. I think you said it's off Tasmania. You said, I photographed that wave many, many times, da 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 blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, obviously, you are the wave photographer, you know, every wave on earth. But what a great story of how God knits things together. And thank you for images like Convergence, which is hanging in my office right now, literally, like right above where I am on the wall every day, reminds me of God's greatness and beauty. So welcome to the podcast, and thank you for using your gifts to touch people around the world with the beauty of what God has made. That caption that you read was uh, in specific reference to you. Wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, life, life is a trip, Louis. It's a trip. And uh yeah, I'm just so fortunate that our that our two circles uh, overlapped, and uh, yeah, we're in each other's lives now, buddy. So that's that. Well, a lot of people um, have discovered now the beauty of what you do, and ultimately through that, the beauty of what God has made. And I just want you to take people back to the beginning because your story—it's not a straight line story. There was some some twists and turns in the story. So how did you become Ray Collins, the winner of the Russian Geographical Society, equivalent of the Geographical Oscar? How have you landed on the cover of every surf magazine, every wave magazine? There's a Netflix special that you're included in called Fish People. And honestly, there's not many people if anybody in your league. And so were you born a photographer? How did, you, how did all this happen? The way, the way that like I hear all those things that you said, right, but they don't, they don't mean anything. They don't represent, uh, it's not something I, ca I try not to carry around because then I'm, I'm just held under these crazy expectations. And then I, I'd start to, it can lead to some kind of spiral, uh, 
So they're all great, but I find, and you'd probably attest to this, but you never actually arrive. You never make it. You just always, I don't know, just focused on, on going forward. And, uh, and all those accolades are great. And, uh, and all of those interviews and features and movies and all that are, are so cool. And they help spread the word about, uh, the beauty of the ocean. But I feel so disconnected from, uh, from that side of things, but it's, it's, I listen to you say it and it's like, oh yeah, that, that, that are the things that happened to me. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So I just got back from Moscow during a pandemic, <laughs> which is a trip in itself because I haven't, no one's really traveled for 18 months, especially in Australia. And um, I last year was invited to submit an essay and a body of work um, about kind of what I do. And I, you know, sat and reflected on just what what I want to achieve and um, and what my passion is and what my purpose is and wrote some words down, sent it off, didn't think anything of it. And I got a call um, nine months later saying, oh, you're a finalist in this award. It's very prestigious. Um, we'd like to fly you out to Moscow and, um, and have you um, be present at, at this thing. And I uh, still didn't think much of it because um, you don't want to count your chickens kind of thing. And um, <clears throat> our Australia is closed. The borders are closed. Russia's borders are closed to non-citizens. So just the thought of it actually all happening just was a far-flung kind of idea at the time. Uh, but sure enough, both governments agreed that uh, it was in the best interests of the both countries' relations. And um, I was granted a special exemption to travel. And, um, yeah, I somehow, my name was called when they were announcing the thing and, um, yeah, I got, I got the crystal compass award, which is a, an eight kilogram, um, piece of crystal. Let me grab it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you've got it with well, you right now. Well, I'm in the, I'm in the, the hotel quarantining, so uh, I haven't been home yet. That is legit. So, hey, before we continue the story, let's just just take a snapshot. A few weeks ago, you were being whisked around Moscow. You won this prestigious award, which is very legit, by the way, the, the actual award itself. But what it represents is very important. And here you are now in like the average uh, overnight, I miss my flight hotel at the Sydney airport for 14 days. And today is the day that you're going to get to see Amber and to return back to normal life. So you were that guy a few weeks ago, and now you've been basically locked in a box for two weeks. What What is that all about? It just shows the the yin and the yang of life be, being, yeah, like whisked around by my driver, Igor, in a, a blacked out uh, Mercedes everywhere we went to being put in a, basically, yeah, uh, an airport hotel, which is a box with no open windows and uh, no sunlight for 14 days. 14 days doesn't sound that long. I was in Moscow for 14 days. Now I'm in, I've been in here for the same amount of time. And you have a lot of time to think and a lot of time to ponder. And uh, I am so glad that my time is uh, up here in a couple of hours and I can just feel the breeze on my face and swim under a wave. And yeah, I've been in the, I've been in the ocean for a month. 
that's that's uh, that's one of the bigger kind of uh, lengths of time where I haven't been in the water. So that's another factor to all this. But yeah, freedom's on the other side. Uh, tell us all the story of how you got um, into this position. I know that you were a coal miner, which doesn't seem like that's the same lane as being a world-recognized <laughs> ocean photographer. But you're working yeah. in the coal mines. Um, pick the story up and tell us what was life like in the coal mine and how did you transition to where you are now? So... <clears throat> Working in an underground coal mine is probably what you think it would be. It's um, uh, three quarters of a mile straight down or a kilometer straight down, and then about 30 kilometers in through a series of tunnels. And that was my workplace for 12-hour shifts. Um, Through winter, you wouldn't see the sun. You would leave at 6 a.m. and go underground. You would work for 12 hours, come out at 6 p.m., and then it's nighttime and you just spent 12 hours in the dark, in the dust, in the dark, in the probably one of the most dangerous industries in the world. Um, you, you have rock falls and you have um, gas outs and explosions and pinch points. People lose fingers and thumbs and uh, you're shoveling dirty rocks around and uh, just knee deep in in mud basically for 12 hours a day. And um that was that was my black life, and I've always been uh, I've always been around the ocean. Thankfully, these coal mines are, are close to home, and I, and I live near the beach. So, uh, but in two thousand and seven, <clears throat> I uh, was just carrying on my day, going about it uh, as normal, and because the visibility is really bad underground, uh, I just was walking and just fell in a hole, and my whole body kind of buckled over my knee and um yeah i just heard this uh like disgusting popping kind of cracking sound and um yeah it was uh one of the hardest things that i've ever gone through but in the most uh beautiful way it was a, a blessing in disguise because that uh single tragic moment um in that isolated tunnel miles away from anyone that uh gave me some time to to do something new and I couldn't really walk or drive or do any of the things that a normal 20 something year old would do. So I thought about exercising my mind and uh, photography was something that I'd always kind of wanted to dabble in and wanted to go a bit further, but um, I just never really took the chance to do it. And that was my chance. I, I bought a camera and read the manual back to front and just practiced on my little dog at the time, Chanik, just took photos of her in different light and just understood how uh, how all the dials and buttons work, basically. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that's that was my entry to photography. And you, I remember you saying at some point that you were, you decided you were going to give it a season. I don't remember how much time you said and just see if there's something here. And if there's nothing in XYZ time, I'm going to have to go back to the, to the mine because I got to pay my bills at some point. So talk about that season. Well, I remember telling Christy, my sister, who, who you've met, um, that I'm going to just give myself a year to get a photo published. And, and it wasn't for anything else but just this little goal. Like I needed 
to strive for something. And I didn't care which magazine it was in or how big it was or what the photo was, whether it was like a small postage size thing or, or whatever. And it was only a couple of weeks, maybe a, maybe a couple of months into this 12-month journey of getting a photo published that um, I was fortunate enough to get the front cover of uh, Surfing Life magazine, which was a wow. total absolute surprise. Uh, I'll never forget walking into the shop and seeing my friend, who wasn't a professional surfer, standing inside this huge barrel of a wave and just going, whoa, it happened. I I I took that, like, and the world is seeing this, and this is just uh, <laughs> mind-blowing. But I, I did manage to work in the coal mine and shoot photos for a long time. And that was really hard. It was uh, a, a real balance of time and I had to tread really carefully with time off work. But I was, um, yeah, I was, I was really scared to leave the stability and uh, the paycheck every week um, to, to, chase, to chase my passion. People, I think, are listening to us right now going, I, I would like to, to be a wave photographer. You stand on the beach and you wait till the wave crashes and you take the snapshot. I mean, how hard is it, you know? But I don't exactly. think I understood until I met you virtually and then met you in real life that a lot of what you're photographing isn't crashing onto the beach. It's happening maybe a mile out into the ocean somewhere and the only way to get that photo is to strap on all your gear and swim out in the dark and find the shot. And I've been to Australia many times. The great whites love your ocean. <laughs> they do, and so they do. you're like strapping up, swimming out. And not only did you risk your life going into the coal mine every day, you kind of put your life a little bit on the line going out into the dark when you go out to find these waves. And I know you've had a few rough tumbles even recently um, with some coral reefs and with the bottom of the ocean. So talk about how do you overcome the anxiety of swimming out into the dark? What compels you to swim out into the dark? Okay. <clears throat> anxiety. Gee, that's a that's a big one, isn't it? It it comes from the same place as excitement, so it's you know part of the fight or flight. But anxiety, what I've found is it's worrying about the future. It's not being present now. Wow! It's worrying about something that hasn't happened yet. And once I realized that, it really helped put. Uh, it really helped strip away all of those uh, swirling thoughts and uh, the chatter in the brain. And uh, just just being present, it it allowed me to really just experience everything without any fear because I'm worried about something that hasn't happened. And every other time I've been in the ocean, it hasn't happened. And if it does happen, then so be it. But, like, yeah, it's something in the future that's a potential risk and worry. And once you harness that and see it for what it is, it's just a shift in perspective. And, um, and that's how it's helped me overcome those feelings. Because it is, it's terrifying. You, you are getting, you're swimming in the dark, waiting for the sun to come up, and it's a half an hour towards the horizon. And um, you have a lot of time to think. So, 
yeah, uh, that's that's how I deal with it. That's how I cope with it. It's a sliding scale. It's it's hard to uh, manage for sure, but that's the tool. That's part of my toolkit that I use to stay in the moment. I think you just summarized the book I just wrote in two minutes. <laughs> so, so if you don't want to read, don't give the enemy a city at your table or Goliath must fall or putting an extra anxiety, just take Ray's advice. Um, your Come first book is uh, when I was getting ready for this conversation, I went home and uh, got both your books and it's not hard for me to find them in my house because they have very prominent places. This first book found at sea, which is such a great title, given the story that you were just sharing, uh, is on our coffee table in our den, which we don't actually have coffee on, but it is the table in between <laughs> the two sofas in our den. And the cover is pretty astounding. If you're Again, if you're listening to this in an audio format, which I'm guessing the vast majority of people are, then please find it at Louis Giglio YouTube. But this is the image on the front. And you talk about this image in, in the book. I'm going to just try to hold this up so people can see it. Just inspiring to start with. And you say in the caption that this was at the time, and I know this book's a few years old, at the time it was one of three instances in your life that you took a shot, you looked at the back of the camera, and you said, I got the shot. And so you said you swam in. You were hoping against all hope that the image came clear. You got exactly. to the beach. You were able to look uh, more carefully and say it did. This one you have titled um, Portal. And it was a moment, three times in your life. You have all the, I'm guessing, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times that you have snapped um, a, a shot, but this was one of three times that you knew right then and there, I just got it. It still hasn't happened since. And I've, and that was, uh, years ago now, that was four years ago and it still hasn't happened. So that puts it in perspective. Yeah. Um, wow. What I'll, I'll never see that moment again. I'll never see a wave do that specific thing again. It's a perfect circle. Uh, the ocean doesn't do that. And uh, I was yeah, lucky enough to be there to document such great beauty. And uh, and I'm blessed to witness such things as that. Tell us about this shot. Where were you? How? What time of day was it? How far out did you swim? What was going on that day? So <clears throat> that particular place uh, is basically, um, it's at the bottom of a cliff. So to get to the place, you have to drive, then walk. Um, you can see it from the cliff. Uh, generally, it's in the dark, so you can just see the whitewash and explosions and uh, all the movement and swirling of water. So if it's on, then you, you go and get, get all your wet weather, you know, wetsuit on and swim fins and housing. Scale down the cliff. Uh, you've got to walk around all these jagged rocks, and then you get to the edge of the land, and um, you kind of just step off and you're in the middle of nowhere uh there's a lighthouse in the distance which is really kind of cool and yeah so you wait for the sun to come up and you're just bobbing around trying to stay close enough to the wave to be able to get the detail that you want but be far enough away to not be in danger so you're kind of on the line 
very thin line of uh, order and chaos, and uh, <laughs> it's it, it's a blurry line, and uh, and sometimes you cross it and uh, whatnot. But um, and I just remember that wave in particular, kind of like every other wave, it just uh, stood up and just flared out. And I remember just going, but 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 but, and just went, oh my, I think that I just I I just seen something I've never seen before, and I hope gee, I hope that it was sharp because it would be heartbreaking to get in and see that I didn't focus properly or it wasn't composed or I you know, cropped off half of it during the ups and downs of trying to track this uh, beautiful formation. And, uh, yeah, I knew. I knew I had the shot. And when I zoomed in, uh, when I got back to land, I just thought how lucky I was and... I had no idea I was going to make a book in a couple of years' time. I had no idea it was going to be on the cover. I had no idea we'd be talking about it like this. And, uh, yeah, I, I can still vividly remember just seeing that and going, wow, like I, 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 got, I got the shot. I got the shot. Wow. The, the book's called Found at Sea. The um, second book that you came out with is called Water and Light. Both books are on Amazon or at um, is it raycollins.com or raycollinsphoto.com second one ray collins photo ray collins photo.com and i i'm we're not here to sell anything today but i have uh, one of the shots convergence i talked about on the wall in my the office that where i do most of my day it was a gift to me from some other aussie friends and i have another one of your photos framed from another gift another friend of mine um and another one of our locations at passion city and so I just want to encourage you, go to raycollinsphoto.com, and not only are the books amazing, but putting one of these images in your office or home is, um, it's inspiring. And you, for me, Ray, I I didn't grow up near the ocean. Um, I have a good friend who's here right now, uh, John, who's a surfer, and he gets more of what is going on, but I came to Australia a second time. So I met your sister. That was like mind-blowing. I came a second time and I was doing an event at a different place. And again, I used one of your images. At the last second, like at the last, very last minute, they're almost introducing me. And I said to my, my uh, teammate who was there, see if their production team can get the photo from my Instagram account from yesterday on the screen immediately. <laughs> because what I was going to talk about was how God's glory, meaning the, you know, the, the otherness of God is a heavy thing. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm in Australia. Everyone here understands the ocean. And I know there's a term called a heavy wave. I don't really know exactly what that means, but I know if I say that, People will relate to that. So I'm going to talk about how a heavy wave and the glory of God somehow are connected. Can you get that photo up? So I, I go up. The image comes up. I talk about it for a moment. I, I know who you are by now more. And so I mention your name. I, I get through the message. I sit down, and there's a, a young guy sitting next to me. And he leans over, and he says, you know, my dad was um, uh, Ray Collins' uh, pastor when he was growing up as a kid. And I'm like, what? And now the worlds are really colliding, and it's starting to freak Seriously. me out a little bit because this the guy that's sitting next to me 
is uh, lives in a different part of Sydney and could have watched this online, but he comes to this location because he knows that's where I'm going to be actually in person because his dad's running the whole thing. Joel LaBelle's who I'm talking about, his dad. And all of a sudden, we're like, I don't know. There's some order to God's plan, obviously, and he wanted us to know each other and meet each other. And I I still kind of stand in awe of it to this day of how I came to know you and how God brought our lives together. Um, But talk about for the people out there going, I like this Ray Collins guy, but I don't know anything about waves. What is a heavy wave? And more than that, help us understand the power of the ocean. It's such an all-encompassing thing, the ocean. You know, 70% of our planet is salt water and the forces that it creates are, uh, would just tear entire cities down if, if a, a raw ocean wave were to, to come in, like an incoming swell. Uh, the photograph of a wave that shows the, the heaviness and the thickness and the volume of water, that, that comes, that's almost the last step in the process of documenting the wave. It starts with looking online at weather forecasting and watching storms you know uh when you throw a rock into a pond and you see that spread of water yeah. the ripples it's, it's like that but on a huge scale on an absolutely huge scale so i'm watching these uh these radial spreads these storms uh, blobs purple blobs on the on the radar and and i'm trying to follow this storm to meet it at a, a location where it's calmed down enough for it to be smooth, but still have that raw power. And that's, that's where my studio is. It's at the end of where this storm finishes, where the energy finishes. And <clears throat> the amount of water that you see and feel is so hard to convey in a still photograph. To be floating next to something so majestic and so grand to be in that moment, that is so humbling. You can't fight it. You can't overpower it. You just have to surrender to it and constantly think about what's happening right now. And it's pretty rare in life that we get to do that. So I'm constantly reminded by how strong how robust how powerful the ocean is and how delicate it is as well we us human beings are going through a pretty crazy transition with with the planet i I feel and uh this big ship i think we need to just start to steer it slowly back to uh, a more sustainable place but um i'm constantly in awe of what God has made. I'm constantly sitting in that space where if I had my camera or not, it doesn't matter because I'm just enveloped by this force that is so large and so powerful. And um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm just, uh, I'm blessed to just 
to witness it and document it and share it and talk about it. I love that word. It's so humbling. And that's the way I, I feel. I, I relate to that. And I haven't been out. I'm not a good enough uh, navigator of the ocean to get out in the places that you do. It'd probably be a bad idea for me. <laughs> Most people listening right now, I go to the wedge to sometimes in Newport, and I love it that the lifeguards there, they see you walking up, and if you get even like near the ocean, they're like, excuse me, no, you're not going in. You can go a mile down there and go in if you want, but if you go in here, we're just going to call the paramedics in about five minutes, so not going to happen. But you understand how to navigate this power and the force of it all and the intricacy at the same time. But you you have to realize in this moment, don't you, that this is not a place where you can exert your will. This is a place where the will of what God has made is 100% in control once you put yourself in that moment. Total surrender. You have no other choice. If you did try and fight it, you would be slapped back to reality so quickly and man you might not even who knows how bad it could be if you weren't in tune with it if you weren't uh laying every part of your ego down and and just accepting it for what it is and feeling it and uh yeah being present there's no way you can uh outmuscle it or outpower it or outsmart it it's just um you almost switch off and connect. That, that's that's how I feel. It, yeah. I know for me, just even you saying that right now makes me realize that the God that um, has created this world and that I believe that I know personally, He is mighty and majestic. He's overwhelmingly powerful, but He's so intricate. And that's such a... a beautiful description of who he is. And it makes me realize, even us talking right now, that my best move is surrender (laughs) to the power and the majesty, to the intricacy and the overwhelming wonder of who he is, to rise up in that and say, well, I'm going to do it my way, or I'm going to make my decision, or I'm going to exert my will it's going to end up the same way you just described. It's not going to be great in the end. So I wanted to ask you, and I've always wanted to ask you this, are there any ocean photographers or wave photographers that are inspiring you at the moment? I find that I've had to kind of disconnect from other people's work because I feel that at a subconscious level, it might influence or kind of muddy up my own uh, organic kind of vision. So there's so many of them. There's there's hundreds of amazing photographers. And, um, and I do see work pop up time to time. And uh, it's like, oh my goodness, that is something I've never seen before. But I, I can't kind of sit and dwell in that place just for me personally as uh, a creative and as um, uh, a photographer. So I guess my influence and my the, the things that inspire me um, is, you know, being outdoors in nature and actually most people when they have a holiday, they go to the beach and my, I go to the mountains or <laughs> out, out to somewhere <laughs> kind of remote. But 
um, just looking at, at other artists, um, not ocean artists, like uh, even kind of like Rembrandt's and um, oh, I've just been bombarded by museums in Russia where I've just written notes and I uh, have so much more study to do because I was just so uh, fired up about seeing other people. You know, we're all unique. We all have our gifts and our and our circumstances that make us individual to who we are, where the sum of our experiences. And to look back and see people from 1500s drawing and writing and and, uh, and transferring colour palettes to a, a piece of canvas, that that has been really inspiring me lately because I feel like uh, maybe how we can all look at, like, connect to each other through uh, our work, I feel like I, I know that person or I felt what that person was feeling because they've they've communicated it so well in their own unique way so yeah I guess to answer the question that's what inspires me because um I'm on my path and I don't want I don't want to deviate by accepting and unintentionally copying other people's work so yeah that's, Man, that's just <laughs> why I love you so much. I resonate with that a thousand percent. You know, most of my uh, friends or a lot of my friends are uh, do what I do. They communicate the gospel. And like you, we have the same subject matter. So a lot of my friends and I, we're all telling the same story. And But at the same time, I respect them all. But if you were to flip the question and say, what preachers are really inspiring you right now? I would I would answer just like you answered. I would say wow. the story inspires me and I love all my friends and we're all different. But I don't want to get into this zone which um sort of the contemporary digital age has pushed us all into where I'm spending all day looking at other people doing what God's called me to do because my natural tendency is going to be comparison um, jealousy, envy, possibly, um, depending on if they're, you know, people are liking what they're saying way more than they like what I'm saying right now, even though we're both saying the same story. And I find that I do respect everyone's art form and preaching, but at the same time, I want to just stay in the lane I'm in because I was made to do what I do the way I do what I do. And um, I, someone asked me the other day, what are you reading? And I said, well, I just read this book about the Shard. It is a phenomenal building in London um, and uh, the vision of Irvine Cellar. And uh, the architect that created it was um, Lorenzo Piano, which he's one of the most unbelievable architects across Europe and the world. And currently I'm reading the autobiographical work of Michelangelo. Um, and that's what I love, you know? I'm, and they're like, are you reading any books about preaching? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but I am learning <laughs> exactly. how Michelangelo sculpted the David and the Pieta before he was 25 years old. And he wow. made the Pieta when he was in Rome by himself under dire conditions with every fiber of emotion, passion, and desire and skill in his heart. And at the time, whoever commissioned it had moved out of power or something. I don't remember the details, Ray, but 
once he finished it, they were like, well, how are we going to get it into St. Paul's Cathedral? I mean, into St. Peter's in Rome. And so they just said, well, there's the spot that the person had wanted it in. So these guys took it in, in under the cover of darkness, carried it wow. up the stairs, into the cathedral, into the chapel of the Kings of France, I think is where it is, into the nave, put it in its place, walked away, and there's, in my opinion, the greatest sculpture that's ever been created. That's what inspires me. It's looking around and seeing people create unbelievable beauty versus going, hey, what's every other preacher doing right now? And do I need to do more or less of that? You sum that up very, very succinctly. I swear, like we've got so many parallels, huh? Like that's, I feel that in my heart, exactly what, uh, how you approach it and why you approach it that way. And, uh, and getting inspiration from things that aren't particularly related to what we do. So everybody's got passion. You even talked about it earlier. You said my passion and my purpose. And right now we're kind of in that zone where I think everybody's got like a passion project. But uh, where passion is in ample supply, perseverance to actually see the passion become reality seems to be in a lesser supply. So could you talk for a moment to how do you move from passion to the kind of perseverance that's needed to actually see something become a reality? I think about my potential. I think about the timeline of my life and I don't want to regret not living up to who I can be, who I should be, and who, who I want to be. So I look at it as two sides. I'm either going to try and fail or not try and regret. Wow. I can live with failure. I can... I can justify it. I can see that it was it happened on the path of trying to succeed. But regret, it, it, it never even has the potential for success. It, it is just this gnawing at you. And uh, we've all experienced it enough to know it's a feeling that, that I really dislike and, uh, and I will live with failure 10 out of 10 times than regret. That's what helps me to persevere is trying to succeed. Wow. I love it. So powerful. Your um, books are, you acknowledge a lot of the influences in your life. People have helped you do what you do. But one of them I noticed was uh, the first credit and it was to the Lord. And the other one, (laughs) the first credit was to the Creator. So you, you've you recognized somehow that you're swimming in someone's ocean, not just in the ocean, but this is somebody's ocean. <laughs> this is the creator's ocean. And I mm-hmm. just was, I think a lot of us would be curious to know how has your appreciation of and your ability to translate these beautiful images and video at times too of the created, the ocean, um, connected you more powerfully to the creator of that ocean? Well, 
the ocean, like God, has been the single constant in my life, whether mm. I had a camera or not. It was something that I, my, my father uh, took his own life when I was six. So I didn't have that, uh, that male kind of influence, you know, during my teens and all that. Mm. And when I was having those kind of hard times or, or any emotion really, like fear or even excitement, I, I would just kind of retreat to the ocean and I would sit and I would just be near uh, be near the waves but be sitting kind of with God. And, uh, and that's where I found um, a lot of my lessons came in, in those kind of quiet moments. So, yeah, the, those, that combination of, of um, cause I could almost use those interchangeably could almost use, uh, cause my time in the ocean is really time with my creator. Mm. So that has been my kind of backbone my whole life. And um, it just so happens that now I am documenting it and sharing it with people in a tangible way that they can feel as well but that's that's what you see is is what you get and the relationship i have with with god's ocean is the relationship that i'm showing and uh and it the pictures can say way more than i as a as a man can say for how big and how um impressive um our world is I think that if um, someone's listening today, they're really resonating so much with what you're sharing and especially any creative. But I want to encourage you, if you think you're an ocean person or not, maybe you're the, you know, the questions always ask, are you beach or are you mountains? And somebody is like, I'm mountains. Um, check out Ray's work. You can start by just finding him online at, at Ray Collins Photo. And I think you'll really be inspired by what you find there. But I want to encourage you just to dig a little deeper, check out his books, Found at Sea and uh, Water and Light. And I don't know, I, I would recommend everybody, I know you you run a very um, detailed shop and your standards are high. So everybody listening to us right now probably can't order a framed photograph, but a bunch of you could. And um, I would encourage it somewhere along the way. You're going to go home today. You're going to get to see Amber, I'm guessing, for the first time in a minute? Yes, a month, yeah. a month yeah. Yeah, so which that's exciting. What's on the horizon for you other than I'm just thrilled to be out of the box for two weeks in this <laughs> this uh, airport hotel? But what's on the horizon? Anything out there that you're thinking about or dreaming about? What's next? Fortunately... I work with uh, an ever-changing and infinite source of inspiration. <laughs> Isn't that fortunate? Wow! So, uh, just say that one more time, I, can you? Just say, just repeat that. <laughs> so, fortunately, I work with a, a infinite, uh, constantly inspiring subject, and. I just know if I keep walking forward, I don't have to see the ground under my feet. I just know it'll, as I step, it'll appear. And that is, I don't have a, any detailed goals. I just know, I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. Keep, uh, keep chasing my purpose, my passion, and uh, keep sharing it with, um, with the world. Cause that's what I was, that's what I'm on to do. 
I'm going to go back. We're going to grab that quote. That's the quote that we're going to probably post around this podcast episode. By the way, we're in season one of our podcast, Ray. I've never done a podcast before. And this is season one, has a limited number of episodes. And I told my team, they said, who, who do you want to be in, episode, in season one? I said, hands down, I want Ray Collins to be in season one. Uh, so, so thank much. you so much for the generosity of your time today. I realize now that it, you weren't being that generous because you're stuck in a hotel room for two weeks. So <laughs> <laughs> this is more of a gift to you than it was to us, maybe. But thank you for the generosity of your time and just being such an authentic creative um, it inspires me, and you inspire me. Your work inspires me, and through you, God really has touched my life. I, I just can't underscore that enough. And I'm I like you work. I can't remember your exact words now, but I work with an immense <laughs> and unchanging and endless and eternal subject. Every day, I wake up to a relationship with the creator of the universe, and I have the privilege of telling the world about him. And wow, so I don't need to know what the plan is. That is the plan. Exactly. And um, I love it. So I just pray great favor on you. I hope uh, the reunion today is incredible. I know it will be. And um, this whole, you know, can't go places thing is a little bit annoying in some ways, but the fact that we haven't gotten to see each other in a minute is real annoying to me. So I hope we get that straightened out somehow. But until then, thanks again for being on Passion and Purpose today. You exemplify that in amazing and beautiful ways. And I just pray a lot of favor on everything God leads you to do in the future. Thank you so much for having me, Louis. Um, it's been yeah my pleasure and my honor to, to be here today. Thanks. How inspiring was that conversation? Wow. Ray Collins is an absolute legend, people. And it was such an honor for me to interview him one more time. I loved it. I hope that our conversation inspires you today in the midst of creating whatever God has put in your hands to remember that we work with an ever-changing and infinite source of inspiration. Thanks for tuning in. 